Do not neglect the spiritual gift that is in you. We are to use our different gifts in accordance with the grace that God has given us. If our gift is to speak God's message, we should do it according to the faith that we have. If it is to serve, we should serve. If it is to teach, we should teach. If it is to encourage others, we should do so. Whoever shares with others should do it generously. Whoever has authority should work hard. Whoever shows kindness to others should do it cheerfully. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Thank you, Tom. Today, we're specifically focusing on how do you spice up your work life. Tom just read it, right? So how do you fan into flame the gift that God has put inside you? We said this a few weeks ago. Arlington County is the hardest working county in the United States of America by volume of hours. We are out, we, we're just workaholics here, right? We, just, we love to work. Well, how do you fan into flame the gift that God gave you? How do you spice up your work life? This is, this is what we want to talk about this morning. There is something fundamentally different about Jesus Christ. Let me, let me say this. So rabbis during Jesus' day, they would take applications for people who wanted to be a disciple or a student of them. Right? So somebody would write down, Here, here's what I'm good at, here's my strengths, here's, my, here's why you should accept me in your program, here's how, why you should hire me for your job, I want to get hired, I want to be accepted into this school. And so you fill out an application and you put out all the great things about you and why they should accept you in. And then you waited to see if you were picked, if you were chosen. That's the way all the rabbis worked. They took applications. Jesus Christ is fundamentally different from all the other rabbis. Rabbi Jesus, this is the way he does it. He's a recruiter. He goes out, just follow me. Completely different. Completely different. Come and follow me. He's asking us to partner with him. Why? Because he already knows the gifts that he put inside of you. He already believes in you. Oh, you know, please, school or work or future potential possible boss or rabbi, please believe in me. I can do this job. I can do it great. I just hope you accept me. Rabbi Jesus does it this way. He already believes in you. He already knows the gifts that he put inside you. He already knows how he wants to utilize them. And what, what we need to understand is that he wants us to fan into flame the gift that he has already put inside of every single one of us. The scripture is really clear what Tom just read. God has given a gift to every single person. And the big question is this, do you know what your gift is? And if you say yes, the question is, are you sure? Are you absolutely sure that you know what your gift is? We want to cover two things today. We want to talk about identifying our gifts and igniting our gifts. Jesus Christ is recruiting. Some of us are here today. We think, you know what? Uh, we just happen to be here by chance. So you go to church is what you do on the weekends, or maybe this is your first time ever being in church. You don't ever go to church, but by chance you decided to come today. Jesus would actually say that's completely wrong. You're here today, not by chance, but you're here today because he's calling you. This is what he does. He's partner with me. We've been talking about prioritizing the permanent. Jesus is partner with the permanent today identify your gift and fan into flame. You're not here by chance. You're here because he is calling you. 
calling you to partner with him. So how do we identify our gift? Are you sure you know what your gift is? Peter Drucker, for those of you in the business world, you know that name. He's a business guru. Here's what he says about people's strengths, gifts, and talents. Most people think they know what they're good at. They are usually wrong. And yet a person can only perform, perform from their strength. Do you know what you're good at? Do you actually know where your strength and where you're gifted? Do you know the spiritual gift that God put inside of you to use both in your vocation and within his kingdom? Do you know what that is? Here's what's so confusing, everybody. Far too often we celebrate our weaknesses. We celebrate other people, underdogs, who like rise up through sheer willpower, through their weakness to do some great thing. And we say, oh man, that's awesome, good for you. And it's so confusing to us because they're leaning hard into their weakness instead of to their strength. We're for underdogs. We're for underdogs. Anybody ever see the movie, Rudy? Let me see the movie. Great movie. Love that movie. Very inspiring movie. So here you have this guy. He's five foot six and a non-athlete. Five foot six, 165 pounds, and has no athletic skills whatsoever in him. But his goal, his dream, right? His dream is to play for Notre Dame football. Anybody Notre Dame fans? Notre Dame fans? Okay. Okay. So when I said that in the first service, there was total silence. Like nobody even said it. It was just totally, completely silent. So his goal, his goal in life is he wanted to play for Notre Dame football. And so he fought, fought, fought. Finally, he got admitted to Notre Dame. And then he fought, fought, fought to get on the team. And he made it to the practice squad. And they just beat him, beat him, beat him every day, mercilessly. Why are you doing this? And finally, right, in his senior year, the last game of the season, And if you've seen the movie, you know what happens. All the players, they come into the coach and they lay their jersey down on the coach's desk. You know what? This for Rudy. I'm not playing today. Let Rudy suit up. Finally, the coach says, okay, we're going to let him suit up. Finally, after thousands and thousands of hours of him working by sheer willpower. You know this old saying, English proverb? See if you can complete it for me. Well, where there's a will, there's a... Yeah, exactly. Willpower. I can do it. So he does. Right? He makes it on this team, and now the coach says, okay, we're going to let you suit up. Well, let's, let's take a look at what it looks like. <laughs> Is that awesome or what? Makes you want to go out and hit somebody, right? It's fantastic. Gets you so pumped up. It's, it's, it's incredible. Where there's a will, there's a way. We love the underdog. It's awesome. Here's, you know, here's what I want to say to you. I want you to remember this. You don't remember anything. I want you to remember one thing. Don't be Rudy. I don't want you to be Rudy. That's not wise. Don't be Rudy. Say with me. Don't be who? Rudy. Don't do it. Don't do it. He gave so much of his life and his energy for a couple of seconds on that field. Do you think that's wise living? It's completely unwise living. He's given all of his energy toward his weakness. What if he would have given all of his energy toward his strength? What if he would have done it differently? Don't be Rudy. You don't want to be Rudy. You don't want to be Rudy. You want to give your time and energy to your strength, not your weakness. Much better way to go. Look, uh, Tom Rath of Gallup says it this way. He says, You cannot be anything you want to be, but you can be a lot more of who you already are. We say to our kids, you can be anything you want to be. I understand the sentiment, but please don't tell your kids that. Because the reality is they can't. They can't. That's nice. That's nice. I'd like to say it to my kids too. Be anything you want to be. It's just a really foolish thing to say. Because you're setting them up for failure. 
What is a much better thing for you to do is to figure out where God has gifted them, where God has given them strength, and encourage them in that direction so they can be a whole lot more of what God has gifted them to be, not by sheer willpower, so you know what, God, I'm going to be anything I want to be. I don't care what you, where you've gifted me. Right? We need to figure out what our gifts are and to push in that. So what do I want to remember today? Don't be Rudy. Don't be Rudy. You want to be who God has gifted you to be. Okay, Gallup says this. In every culture we have studied, the overwhelming majority of parents, 77% in the United States of America, think that a student's lowest grade deserves the most time and attention. We have a global predisposition to focus on our weaknesses and to cheer for the underdogs, and then we celebrate it. And that just freaks us out. Okay, well, I'm just going to spend all my time. Look, Rudy is the exception. He's not the rule. And a lot of us think, well, I'll be the exception. I mean, Steve Jobs dropped out of college. I'll drop out of college. It worked for him. There are not many Steve Jobs running around the planet. Bill Gates dropped out of college. It worked for him. Rockefeller we've been talking about. He dropped out of high school. Worked for him. No, 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 no. All of us are the rule in this place. <laughs> Quit betting on the million to one shot. Wisdom. Play with inside of reality. God has given you a gift. Lean hard into that gift. Do you know what the gift is? Do you know? Because Peter Drucker says, business guru, is that most people are wrong. They don't know what their gifts are. Do you absolutely know what your gift is? How do you figure out your gift? I'm going to give you four quick things. First one is this. Prayer. Pray about it. We've been talking about these 17-cent notebooks, everybody. 17-cent notebooks that we handed out weeks and weeks ago where we encourage you. According to Harvard and Yale, they say this. People who write stuff down, who write the plan down, who write the priorities down are 10 times more successful. And yet only 3% of the United States of America does it. Write it down. Now, I want to give you an update. I said this last week. I wrote something down that was really important to God. You know, and I pray, but I just go through the book every day. And, I, and when I wrote it down, it was about somebody changing. Okay? It was about somebody changing. And people just don't change. So when I wrote it down, I had no faith. Zero faith. Like in the back of my mind, I'm writing and I'm thinking, this ain't never going to happen. Right? I don't know if you've ever been. I know you don't want to shake your head. Oh, yeah, I've done that before. But, okay, that's where I am. I wrote it down. And there was something else I wrote down. Also, there's no way it's ever going to happen. I wrote it down anyway. And would you believe in the past couple months, since every day I've been right before God with zero faith whatsoever is going to change, would you believe that both of these things have happened? I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. Because I'm bringing it before God because it's a priority. I say, Lord, can you change it? And God has answered two prayers that I had no, no faith that he could possibly answer. It's amazing. So pray. So write it in your notebook. God, help me to correctly understand the gift that you have put inside of me because I want to lean into my strength. I don't want to be a Rudy and lean into my weakness. I want to lean into my strength. Do you know what your strength is? Number two, Bible study. So first you pray about it. You put it in the notebook. Write it down. Bible study. What do you read in the Bible? Well, you read what Tom just read for us here just a few moments ago. You read about the fact that God has put a gift in you. Some of us here today say, oh, you know, God's gifted a lot of people. He hadn't gifted me. Well, not according to the Bible. According to the Bible, God has put a gift inside of you, and he wants you to fan it into flames, and he doesn't want you to neglect that gift. That's what the Bible says. And then the Bible describes all kinds of gifts. So Bible study. Third thing, community. Community. Anybody ever watch like these talent shows? American Idol was so popular a few years back. Anybody? Big American Idol fans? Yeah. So you see some of those people can really sing. But what about the people who can't sing a lick? What about those people? I mean, their community really let them down. 
I mean, didn't somebody come up to them and say, hey, dude, you can't sing. Like, you're terrible. You know why you never see me singing? Because I have a community around me that says, John, you stink, man. Please don't sing. Not only to tell me not to sing, to tell me not to clap. Because I'll be here sometimes and we clapping, right? And then somebody will do like this offbeat clapping thing or whatever. I don't even understand it. And then I'm like on a third unknown mystery beat. Right? So I have no, but thank goodness I have a wonderful community around me that says, wake up. We will give you a reality call. You can't sing. You can't clap. Just shut up. Just sit there. Right? We need community. My question to you is this. What is the quality and quantity of your community? Because here's the number one way to get your dream job. Here's the number one way to get a spouse. Ready? Number one way to get a spouse, number one way to get a dream job is the quality and quantity of your community. How strong is yours? How big is yours? What's it look like? You got to have it. They can speak into you. Last week we talked about wisdom. What is the classic example of somebody who is on the opposite side of wisdom, foolish living. It's somebody who is wise in their own eyes. They're living outside of reality. It's somebody, right? So, so, so we look at ourselves on video or audio. We say, I don't look like that. I don't sound like that. And people come along and say, yeah, you, yeah, you do. Yeah, you sound that way. You sound that way. Yes, you do. We need other people. You've got to have some people in your life. You know what? I see this in you. I see this. Do you have anybody guiding you towards your gift? You need, you need some bodies. You need a quality and a quantity of community to help you. All right? Last thing, research. There's wonderful research. Gallup put out this book called Strength Finder. Some of you have read it. Right? Avail yourself. And do not get discouraged. Some of us are here, you know, I've taken all those tests. I've read it. Still, I'm frustrated. Okay, look. Are you praying? Are you studying the Bible? Do you have a community quality and quantity of it and then don't give up what we do know from scripture what jesus says to us that he's a recruiter he's not taking applications he says i've given you a gift don't give up look if i'm the devil sometimes people think i am if i'm the devil what i want to try to do with your life is do anything i can to get you off of the gift that god put in you because i know that's when his kingdom's going to shine that's when you're going to find meaning and purpose in your life and you're going to fuel your passion that's what i want to do so sometimes it's hard some of you here this morning you're like oh man i know my gift i got my dream job i'm using my gifts awesome that's awesome please encourage the other ones of us I went through decades not being able to know. I had no idea what my gift was. I didn't even know it was possible. I didn't even know there was such thing as a spiritual gift. God has put something in you and do not give up. Do not become discouraged. There is a gift there. Push into it. There's four ways that you can identify your gift. One last story before we go on to ignite your gift. Mark Twain uh, used to love to tell this story. Mark Twain told a story about this guy who died and went to heaven. And this guy was a big military buff, history, military history buff, right? He loved military history. So when he dies, he goes to heaven, and he gets to the pearly gates, and there's St. Peter there. And so he runs right over to St. Peter. St. Peter, look, man, I'm a military buff all my life. I will have one question, one question. Here's my question. Who is the greatest general of all time? Tell me, right? Is it Patton? Is it MacArthur? Napoleon? Who's the greatest general of all time? And St. Peter says, what's the guy right over there? And he points to this guy, and the guy says, I know that guy. He wasn't even in the military. And St. Peter says, yeah, but if he was, he would have been the greatest military general of all time. Don't let that be you. Make sure you know what your gift is and lean into your strength. Lean into it. Do not miss out on everything that God wants to do in you and through you. Who do you not want to be? You don't want to be who? Please, let's, let's, say, let's, say, it like, let's say it like we mean it. Don't be Rudy. Thank you very, very kind of you. 
Very kind of you. All right, so identify the gift. Number one, here's number two, ignite it. How do you, not, how do you fan it into flame? Very, very important to fan it into flame. So three things for you. First of all, you got to accept it. Accept the gift. Don't be looking. Don't be a Rudy. Rudy's like, oh, I want the gift. I want to be a great athlete. Okay, buddy, it's not you. You need to come and figure out something else. You had your seven seconds right there, right? You gave so much of your life to your seven seconds. Don't neglect your gift is what the Bible says. Don't be envious of somebody else's gift. I want that gift. No, 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 no. God has put a special gift in you. Be you. You can be more of who you already are. You can't be somebody that you're not. Accept the gift. Don't live outside of reality. Put your energy towards your strength. Ecclesiastes 4.4 says, you know what? We work so hard. We work so hard and expend so much energy because we are envious of other people. Cut that out. Don't neglect your gift. Figure out your gift and lean hard into your gift with everything that you have within you, right? Accept it. Accept it. Number two, give it. Give your gift. Give it back to God. So now you've identified, hopefully, right? You've identified your gift. You're going through it. Now you accept it. Now you need to give it. You need to give it back to God. Let's talk about Moses for a second. Huge figure in the Bible, Moses. God meets Moses, right? This huge thing. If you, if you haven't read the story, it's in the book of Exodus. It's a great read. If you haven't seen the 15-hour movie called Ten Commandments, please check that out. I think it's, it's always playing somewhere. It never stops, right? <laughs> check out. It's an incredible, incredible movie, right? So God meets on burning bush. And God says, so, so, so the first 40 years of Moses' life, he's in the palace. Everything's like great. And so in the next 40 years, he's out in the desert. But it's in the desert that he figures out what his gift is. Isn't that interesting? It's in the desert that he figures out. And he had a great gift for shepherding. He's a shepherd. So there he is. He's standing with his shepherd staff in his hand. And God says, what to him? Huh? He says, lay down your gift. Throw down your staff. Well, you know what that meant? God was saying, give me your gift. You now know after 40 years in the desert, you finally figured it out what your gift is. Now I need you to give it to me. I need you to lay it down. And Moses says, no, I'm not doing that. Why won't he do that? Because he is like, we're all the same. You and I are the same. Moses, we're all the same. We're afraid. God, if, if I do this, if I put it down, I'm out of control. I can't control it anymore. Now I have to like trust in you that you're going to do the right thing. And I'm not sure you'll do the right thing. I'm not sure anybody will do the right thing for me. You, anybody else, it's out of my control. I got to control it. I got to control this gift. Who's going to look out for me? You know what I'm saying? Anybody else felt that way? If I say to God, here's the gift, I give it to you freely, who is going to look out for me? Many of us, if I asked you this and you were honest as I am, and I would say, hey, God, here's my gift. What's the first thought that runs right through your mind? Oh, my gosh. God is going to make me miserable. He's going to take me somewhere. I don't want to go. I don't, please don't. Right? God is in the business of making us miserable. That's what we think. So it's out of my control. So Moses, I'm not doing it. Finally, he relents and he does. I'm reading this awesome book right now, everybody, called Give and Take by Adam Grant. It's, it's fantastic. Adam Grant says he's a professor at Wharton Business School here in Philadelphia, right? He says, people fall into three categories, givers, takers, matchers, givers, takers, matchers. So giver, what's a giver? Giver is somebody who gives without like no expectation of return. Just give freely. I don't know if it's going to work out. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just going to give. What's a matcher? A matcher is like, I do something for you. You do something for me. They both have kind of equal value. Everything equals out. I scratch your back. You scratch mine. An eye for an eye or two for the tooth, right? What's a taker? Do we even need to explain? what a taker is. Now, I want your opinion. What do you think the majority of people in the world are? You think the majority of people are givers? Anybody think the majority of people on this planet are givers? 
I don't see a single hand. All right. Who thinks the majority of people on this planet are takers? All right. All right. Pessimistic folk. Okay. That's good. Who thinks the majority of people are matchers on the planet? Okay. That's the majority of us. You are right. The majority of people on this planet are matchers. Majority of people on this planet are matchers. Now, who do you think, who do you think is at the top of like sales? Who's the top students? Who's the top across the board of all industries? Givers, takers, or matchers, right? Think about that. Who do you think is at the top and who do you think is at the bottom? Let's do the bottom first. Who do you think is at the bottom? Giver, taker, or matcher at the bottom? Giver. Giver. You're exactly right. Giver's at the bottom. So why would anybody want to be a giver? Why would anybody want to be a giver? You're at the bottom because you are helping somebody else out to your own detriment. Why would anybody want to be a giver? And that's the fear that Moses went through. Who's going to take care of him if he gives, if he gives it up? Who's going to take care of him? So Adam Grant said this. They looked across industries. Engineers, salespeople, medical school students, and they found that medical school students were at the, at the bottom if they were givers. You know why? Because they were always helping the other students out. Like if another student had a problem, like, here, let me, let me help you, and they weren't working on their own stuff. So medical school students, they were, they were at the bottom. Salespeople, they're far too concerned about their customer. <laughs> like they wouldn't make the hard sell because they're, like, they they're givers. They want to do what's best for their customers. Engineers were helping all the other engineers out, and all the reports were getting in late. So givers are at the bottom. So we got that? So now, here we go. Who's at the top? Tell me. Who's at the top? Takers? Who's at the top? Takers? Anybody think matchers are at the top? One. Okay. You know who's at the top? Givers. Givers at the top. Givers at the top. Okay. First year of med school, givers fall behind. They're helping everybody else out to their own detriment. By the time you get to the second year, they've slightly pulled ahead of the matchers and the takers. By the time you get to the third year, they keep pulling away, pulling away. Salespeople. Initially, there's a problem. But over a period of time in sales, givers in the sales force grow, 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 grow. Givers are at the top. Same thing with engineers. Same thing across all industries. Why is that? Because they've tapped into something that God Almighty has built this universe on, a principle that is in every thread of this universe, and that is to be a giver. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. Giving. Giving. Give and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing given. They understand that. Giving. Givers are at the bottom, but they're also at the top because over a period of time, initially it's difficult. I want to give you this quote. It's a great quote. This guy's got such a cool name. Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Wouldn't you like that to be your name? (laughs) This is what he says. This is what Johann says. says. Everything is hard before it's easy. Everything is hard before it's easy. So in the beginning, givers, they have it hard. In the medical schools, first year is bad. But after that, they're soaring. Everything's hard before it's easy. Everything's hard. You, you, be a giver. You're tapping into the way God created this universe. And it's hard before it's easy. But tap into it because it grows and grows and grows. Givers are at the top. Moses, let's come back to him. He was afraid. He was so afraid. You know what? Just, just like you and I. Man, if I... God, if I just trust you, if I just trust you, I mean, who's going to take care of me? So Moses is just grabbed, but finally, boom, he throws it down. And if you read his story, you realize initially it was tough. 
it was hard. People didn't trust him. People said he was just all out about himself. It was bad. His own people were rebelling against him. But you know what eventually happened over a period of time? Because he was a giver. Because he figured out his gift was shepherding. And he said, God, I'm going to give this gift to you. Use it for your glory. You know what happened? He shepherded three million people out of slavery. Three million. He could have never done that on his own. God wants to take your gift. You have a gift. Do you know what it is? He wants to take that gift. And if you partner with him, and you can only partner with him if you give it to him, he will do so much more that gift. Moses could have never freed those people. But with God, partnering with the permanent, God did something extraordinary. We have a desire for God to do something extraordinary in our lives and in this world. We want to leave this world a better place. And the way we're going to do it, how we're going to fan it into flame, is by identifying and igniting. And a part of that is we've got to give it. Have you given your gift to God? Have you said God? Have you put it down in your 17-cent notebooks of God? Here's my gift. I'm giving it to you every day. Do something so much more than what I could ever do by myself. Everything, everything is hard before it's easy. All right, last point. So you can't just accept it. You can't just give it. Now you got to hone it. You got to hone it for the glory of God. You got to sharpen your gift. You got to make it the best it could possibly be. Why? So you can get another promotion? So you can go up the salary change just a little bit more? No, no. You do it for the glory of God. You sharpen your gift for the glory. So Tom read this morning, whatever you do, do with all your might. You know what that means? It means that you need to be the best you can be for the glory of God. Whatever your gift is, man, you just need to study. You need to work in balance, but you need to study and work and sharpen your gift for God's glory. Not for your own glory, not for any other reason, but for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it for all your might. I, nobody could say this better than Dr. King. His famous street sweeper speech. Here it goes. If it falls your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweep streets like Beethoven composed music. Street, sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper. Can you do that? Are you fired up about that? This is what God is calling us to do with all of our might, to be the best we can be for him. Now, let's show him the picture, David, of these three people. Who knows these three? But shout it out if you know their names. Just go ahead. Sylvester Stallone, Barbara Streisand, Bruce Willis. Cynthia Heimel wrote a piece called The Emptiness of Fame. Cynthia Heimel, who lived in Manhattan and knew many people before, many celebrities before they became celebrities, knew them when they were seeking their fame, seeking their fortune. She knew them. She says they were wonderful people, excellent people, fantastic people. Loved them. And then she said, then they became famous. And overnight, they became awful people. <laughs> awful people. And this is what she said took place to them. Quote, that giant thing that they were striving for, that fame thing that was going to make everything okay, that was going to make their lives bearable, that was going to fill them with happiness, had happened. And the next day they woke up, and they were still them. The disillusionment turned them Howling and insufferable. So why should you hone? Why should you sharpen? Why should you become the best you can be for another promotion? To make more money? There's only one primary reason we want to do that is that's all for the glory of God. With all your might, you put your hand, you say, for God's glory. Okay, science. You know, science in the church has taken some hits over the past hundred-ish years. But now let's go back 250 years back. Can we do that? And the great names of science and the scientific revolution, right? Copernicus, Galileo, Newton, Kepler, right? 
Do you realize the majority of those great leaders in science were deeply committed Christians? Do you understand that the majority of them, the reason they worked so hard was for the glory of God? They said, God is a rational God. He built a rational universe, and we want to use our minds to understand it for the glory of God. They honed their craft. They worked. They used their strength, and they worked, and they said, we need to recapture that, everybody. We need to recapture it big time. That changed the world. We are all benefiting today because those people honed their craft and their strength, and we have all benefited greatly from that in magnificent ways. And we need to do the same thing to make a difference in this world, to leave this world better for who, for why, for the glory of God. When we do that, we're partnering with the permanent. And this is what they did to be the absolute best that they could be. Why? For God's glory. That's how we ignite it. Luke 6.38. Give, Jesus Christ says this, give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That is why givers are at the top. Because they've tapped into something, a principle that God created this universe on. And that's why you want to be a giver. You want to identify your gift. He said, God, I want to use it 100% for your glory. All of us have a desire to make a difference. All of us want to leave this world a little bit different place. All of us want to get in the game just like Rudy did. We don't want to sit on the sidelines. We want to get in the game. We want our life to have significance. We want to do something. That's something common to all of us. And here's how we do it. We identify our gift and we ignite our gift. That's the Ecclesiastes way. Any other way, if I'm trying to do it my own way, it ends in meaninglessness. But here's how we add meaning, passion, fuel to our lives, particularly our work lives. I want to end with a story. So um, there's a, a large grocery chain in this country. And they got a bunch of their employees together regionally, huge, thousands of them together. And they had a coach. They had like a leadership coach come in. And this coach put all, all, like on the walls over. They had all these inspiring sayings on all the walls. And they talked to these thousands of employees. They said, you know, you can make a difference in somebody's life. Right? Make a difference. Encourage somebody. In your own, wherever, wherever role you're playing in the, in the grocery store, make a difference. Well, there was a young bagger there. He was 19 years old. And he just bagged, he bagged, he bagged groceries. He had Down syndrome. And he told everyone, I've, I've Down syndrome. All right? I understand that world. My foster brother has that. So he's listening to it. He gets expired. He's inspired. He's looking at the saints like, man, I like that. He understood his limitations. And his first thought was, I'm a, I'm a bagger. I know my limitations. What can I really do to make a difference? But he knew it fired him up. And he knew he wanted to leave the world a better place. And he knew that his strength was speaking to people and giving encouragement. Tom read it. Some of us are encouragers. He was an encourager. He loved little inspiring sayings. So here's what he did. The 19-year-old Bagward Down syndrome. He went home. He talked to his dad. He found a, a thought for the day, an inspiring thought for the day. One thought, printed it out. His dad gave him the copies, put them all up. Had all kinds of stacks of them. Go in. Somebody would come through the line. He'd bag everything. Last thing he put in, the thought for the day. Inspiring stain. He'd look him dead in the eye. He says, I put something special in there for you. Please read it. All right? You know what happened after a couple weeks? Manager of the store is called. Manager, police come to the front. Yes. Yes. Uh, we need more cashiers. We need more cashiers. All right? We have a long line. Right? So they get all these cashiers up there. 
And here, Johnny the bagger, here's his line. His line goes all the way down to the back to the frozen food section, right? And they go to the people and say, hey, we got all these other lines. They say, no, it's okay. I'll stay right here. I'm happy to, I'm happy to wait 45 minutes because I want to be in Johnny's line. One person says, you know what? I used to come here once a week. I come here every day now. You know what? I want to get Johnny's thought for the day. That was his gift. He played into his strength. Are you doing that? Pressed down, shaken together, running over outside of the grocery store. He's impacting the entire community. It is absolutely awesome. Identify your gift. Ignite your gift. Fan it into flame. Do you know what your gift is? Are you willing to give it to God? Are you willing to hone it? It has a ripple effect that's powerful. Givers at the top, everybody. Givers at the top. Okay. Uh, you've already seen this. It wasn't a surprise to you, okay? You saw the band outside. You saw all the fun and the festivities, right? You saw all that going on. So uh, you're getting ready to step back into that again. It's going to be an absolute blast because today, today we're doing something. We do this like twice a year. We have what we call a volunteer fair. And normally what we do, before you get nervous, right? Just hear me out. We talk about joining a team. Here's what you need to know. Today we're not talking about joining a team. Isn't that great? Who feels good about that? We're not asking you to join a team. That's awesome. We're not asking a thing of you. You know why? You know why? Because our, our, our teams here at Grace, they're about as strong as they've ever been before. You know why? Because we have a bunch of people who's in their hearts to give and to serve, and it's just grown and grown and grown. There's such a camaraderie now. Uh, you know, Tom on our staff does a phenomenal job, right? The way he does this now, it's not like, hey, sign up for a team. No, he looks at each individual person tries to figure out what your gift and what your strength is and then just guides you that way you know what it's bursted into life it's fantastic we do a thing some of you don't know this we have this amazing thing called a vip cafe it's a blast there'll be 60 70 people down there we just party down every sunday morning with a full huge breakfast you know what the coolest thing about it is is the camaraderie the community so what we're we're not asking you to sign up for a team today actually you can't sign up for a team you can't even sign up for a team today can you believe it you can't even sign up for a team what you can do is you can sign up to shadow but you can't get on the team and to shadow is means you just shadow another person who's a volunteer who's giving of their strength somewhere here and you're watching what they do you're watching what they do. What we're asking you to think about this morning is to join a community that values serving and giving. We're asking you to join that kind of community because it has a powerful ripple effect that extends way beyond the walls of TJ Auditorium. It hits our entire community. It makes a difference in the world because out of that, we end up packaging 150,000 meals for people because out of that, we minister all over the place in this community. We make a difference in this school. We're asking you to consider joining a, a, a community of people who values giving and serving. We're asking you to be a Johnny the Bagger. It's awesome to be a part of. It, re it really, really is. And if you want to do that, we encourage you to come and join the party under the big tent. Now, uh, for those of you, because you, if you choose to do that today, there's a possibility for you. There, the option is, is to sign up for George Mason High School too. So for those of you, like I said earlier, who you have a little bit of Lewis and Clark inside of you, like you, you're a pioneer, that you're okay with messy, you're okay with exciting. Look, some of my most exciting stories about this church happened in the first five years. I mean, just, 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 in, just incredible times. And all the camaraderie, a lot of the camaraderie that I feel that has to do with this church in those early years has to do with those first five years. I'll never forget a buddy of mine who was coming to the church. We decided nobody knew about Grace Community. Like nobody. Nobody knew that, it was that people would come in, they visit, and say, this is really great. But what would happen is, is when we released the adults, uh, I mean, we released the kids because we used to have the kids that stay in the service with us. We released them, right, uh, to go to class. Well, half the adults had to get up and go with them. So now there was like five people sitting there. There's a church of five. So people come in and says, this seems really cool what you're doing, but obviously you're weird, right, because there's five people here, right? 
so, so we realized we're going to have to let people know that we exist. So a buddy of mine, Jamie Dahl, so we went out, we were around there with these door hangers, right? The only problem was is the little slips that we got, they had no hole in it. So it's hard to, right? It's just falling on the ground. There's nothing you can do with it. But he's a construction guy. So he got like this drill. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it looked like it had been burned, like he did with a blowtorch or something. It was all burned up and we did that. But, you know, I, I, I could call that guy day or night now and he'd be there for me. That's the kind of camaraderie. Do you know what I'm saying? And if you want to join a community that highly values giving and serving, we encourage, we encourage you to do that and join us underneath the, underneath the big tent. Now, we're going to end this way. We've got something special because we want you to fan into flame. We've got some special music we're going to play for you. Our ushers have some special uh, things they want to hand out, and I do too. All right? This is glass. This is Tabasco sauce. Anybody like Tabasco? All right? Let's, play, let's key up the music. Let's key up the music. So we've got some heat for you. All right, Jared? You've got to catch it. Because it's glass, okay? There you go. Excellent catch. Who else? Tabasco? Tabasco? Okay, my man, I'm switching to my left hand because I'm better with my left hand. All right, here we go. There we go. Anybody else? Tabasco? Tabasco? Oh, yeah. A big smile there. Anybody? Okay. My man, I got to come right over top of your head. I got to tap. So, yeah, give him the tap. There we go. I got one left. I have one left, my man. Here we go. Bingo! That's fantastic. We want you to spice up your life. We want the heat is on. We want you to get fired up, and we want you to fan into flame your gift because it's absolutely awesome. If you're a guest here today, I'd love to meet you right over here at Grace and Five. Let me say a quick prayer, and then we'll all go out and party with the mariachi band. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you have put gifts in all of us. Jesus, I thank you that you're not taking applications. You're a recruiter because you already believe in us. You already know the gift you put in us. Help us to correctly identify it and to give it back to you that you might do with it far more than we could ever think or imagine in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.